Welcome to Double Technical Podcast, everybody. This is your host, Lucas Fryman. I hope everyone has had a fantastic week. Hope you're having a great Friday so far. We are almost to Christmas. And so I bring you an early present. And that is none other than something that is blue, that bleeds blue, that is UK everything, and then some reason Colts. That is Michael McCarty. How are you doing today, sir? I am doing fantastic. I don't know if that was introducing a big sports fan or a Smurf. I'm not really (laughs) sure, but I'm okay with either way. I mean... Yeah, I, yeah, I'm, I'm caught there. I, I'm, I'm, I don't know how to defend myself in that. You are, you, you're just too quick, man. You're just too witty. This is why you're a great writer. You just always, you just have these comebacks, man. And they just, I can't win. So on that note, we're talking about I can't win. Let's talk about a team like we always do with the local hour. Brought to you by Seat Geek. We actually had our first person ever finally to use the Seat Geek. Uh, discount code double technical they saved 10 bucks or 20 bucks actually and that was awesome so i'm super excited that somebody finally used that keep using that folks just go to seekgeek.com or the seekgeek app all right kentucky obviously that is your well this is not your only specialty michael but this is the one that we love to talk <laughs> to you about the most okay kentucky were was able to beat utah 88 to 61 um it was a it seemed like an easy game. They they handled them. No, I didn't see personally any blaring, blaring, glaring issues. Sorry, I can't talk. Um, what is your recap? Because you just see UK basketball games better than I ever can. Well, um, it, it it was good for that team to get that win. Um, you a good win like that is a good bounce back, especially with the next two opponents we have. So I'm happy for them being able to do that. Utah, not a good basketball team. So <laughs> us beating them <laughs> easily is, you know, it's what we expected to do. Um, but, you know, it's still a good thing to win like that. Like a couple of the stats that jump out at me is the 12 for 21 from three-point range. If mm-hmm. this Kentucky team can shoot 57% from the three, then yeah, we're, we're top 10 team. No problem there. Um, Keldon Johnson hitting five out of six from behind the arcs. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, another key thing I saw is Higgins. He had seven assists to two turnovers. That that's key. As his development goes throughout the season, if he can keep getting that assist level up and keep the turnovers down, once again, that's going to help this Kentucky team move forward. Um, three point defense finally showed up. We held Utah to shooting thirty percent from the three. Yeah, I was really surprised the there. Field. Yeah, yeah. So we we definitely played much better. Um. You know, and obviously there's the excitement of Jamal Baker coming in and hitting two for two late threes um, <laughs> at the end of the game. So hitting his first like legitimate minutes as a UK player in two years. I mean, so, always got to love that. Well, and I, okay, so not to take anything, not to take a shot at Green. He, mm-hmm. He's a fine player, but I actually think Baker might, this might work in Kentucky's favor. Really? Baker's a natural two guard. Okay. So he is in there to score. Green was a point guard that was moved over into the two position. Mm-hmm. So us making the change of not having Green to put in and having Baker to put in might actually benefit this team. Okay. I I honestly wouldn't have even thought that, but that's a that's actually a good point because he's familiar with that spot, you know, he's not adjusting like Quade. Yeah. Um that is uh I I don't know. I'm just happy that 
I was concerned that maybe this would cause a little bit of drama for them, and I didn't know how they were going to come out in this game. But it seems to me that it, you know, it did not affect them at all. It, you know, it, it galvanized the team. They were able to get a good win. You know, I know you uh, before the show. I, you know, Michael called Utah a dumpster fire, um, and you know, <laughs> I, I got to put that out there for any Utah fans who listen to this. Doubt that, but. Um, yeah, if there's any Utah fans listening to this, just let us know that you exist. That 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 would be fun. Please, yes, hit us up on social media. Um, you'd be the only one. Um, now the now, I'm just happy that we won like we were supposed to, as you were saying. Right. You know, some of those games in November we weren't winning the way that quote unquote we were supposed to, or the, at least the way um, very pessimistic fans like me would expect. <laughs> um. And so I think that's a good start. Now, I got to admit, I'm afraid for Saturday um, at going up against North Carolina. Uh, what are your thoughts? What do you see happening? What's your prediction? Uh, can Big Blue Nation expect a competitive game and a possibly a win on Saturday? I mean, yeah, of course we can win. Um it's a basketball game that that's definitely set up to happen. And we have the talent to win. Uh-huh. Um, we, we're going to have to show up there. Kentucky's going to have to play a good game to win. Um, North Carolina's good and North Carolina's built in a way that we struggle against. Mm-hmm. Um, their leading scorers, uh, Cameron Johnson and uh, Luke May, which every Kentucky fan knows. Mm-hmm. Um, which Luke May's been there ten years, right? It seems like he's been there for forever. I know he's he's finally a senior, but he seems like he's been there for forever. I agree. I agree. All right, well, those two guys are the two players that Kentucky has no one to guard. You got a six nine and a six eight athletic guy that's kind of like a guard forward combo, and that's why Duke killed us. Is they had three of those, mm-hmm. and we had no answer for that. So that's concerning. Because I, I don't know who on Kentucky's roster is going to guard them. So, do you think that you know, because of that mismatch, what can we turn around and then mismatch against North Carolina's defense? As their North Carolina is a far from perfect team, they've showed signs of struggling before. Um, what is our strength that we can use to try to, you know, overtake them because of that weakness that we really still haven't figured out how to solve yet? Yeah, I think we're going to have to go inside. Uh, we're going to need big games from Travis and Washington, mm-hmm. and they're they're going to have to dominate the paint. If they can dominate the paint, I think we can counteract. As long as as long as we can hold North Carolina from hitting every three they throw up, um, I, I think us going on the inside game and letting those couple players, you know, they're going to hurt us. Trying to limit how much they hurt us, I, I think that's the route we need to go. <sighs> I'm nervous about it, man. I really want, I am too. I, I really I, want a win and I I don't want to be like I expect one, but it would really make the the negative fan that I am. Um <laughs> but, look, I just I just got to keep admitting uh, admitting it. After, you know, we have our conversation, I'm bringing Brian on uh for the first time in a few weeks cuz he's been so busy and so I I just I finally decided, you know what? I need to accept my role, okay? I I am a negative Nancy, but you know, it, I just really want this to be like okay, we are making strides, or at least not. I'm so afraid of this looking like the Duke game again, and I think that's my problem. 
and I think that's fair because I'm looking at this game and Kentucky could definitely win a close one. North Carolina can win a close one. But I also think North Carolina could blow out Kentucky and I don't think Kentucky can blow out North Carolina. I feel mm-hmm. like that's the difference. Um, I don't expect that to happen. Um, but yeah, they're just Kentucky's going to have to play a good game to get to win this one. <sighs> Fingers crossed everybody. It's 5:15 yeah. p.m. on Saturday. We'll support them and uh hopefully UK will go out and shock the world as Juan Howard uh Jawan Howard, <laughs> I can't talk today, said um back in the 90s. Uh sorry, I am a Michigan fan basketball as well, Michael. Um Yeah, that that's fine. It it's forgiven. <laughs> 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 now let's move on to something that i'm actually i totally even forgot and i was so glad see again ladies and gentlemen michael mccarty is just just a smart guy okay he sends me a text with all these things he wants to talk about things that i wasn't even thinking about and i'm like wow that is great you should be in a podcast oh yeah that's right you were in one right now. So um, UK signing day, they had the early signing day yesterday. And did, was it also extended in today? I, I don't remember how this early stuff works. Yeah, I think they got Wednesday through Friday. Okay. I think it ends sometime tomorrow, but it, it's pretty much pointless to last longer than really like eight hours on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Because everything's done at that point. Gotcha. It's going to happen now. Yeah. So I know Mark Stoops was able to secure, I think it was 21 that I read yes. recruits. Yes. Um, Tell me, you know, recap that. Tell me what you like. Tell me what you didn't like. And uh, what is this class going to do, at least for now, since the actual signing day until uh, April, um, what this class, the potential it has to be going forward for UK? Well, you know, I am only so much of the football expert. Um, a lot of the behind the scenes stuff I don't understand as well as people who play the game every day, but I always look at the excitement of the coaching staff because mm-hmm. they're always going to put on the fake. Well, this is great. We did what we wanted, mm-hmm. but then there's times where they get really excited and can't hold that back. And that's what we had this year. They are super excited about this class. And this, this early signing period is just so huge for programs like Kentucky because we were able We've got 21 guys we don't have to worry about now because they are signed. Mm-hmm. No, Alabama's not going to walk in and steal them at the last minute. Like, these guys are done. Now we just need to focus on a few more. So that, it's huge for us. And 36th uh, ranked class nationally. That's um, good. That's fantastic. The only bad part about that is it's, you know, 10th in the SEC. But mm-hmm. that's SEC football. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, another good thing is... Uh, Mark Stoops said he's expecting at least nine of these guys to be early enrollees and uh, show okay. up in the spring. So that's huge, too. That That's an extra semester's worth of development. So that that's big. Yeah, that's good. Um, get them yeah. in, get them learning the system already and be ready to go. That's great. Absolutely. Yeah. So all but two of our commitments signed yesterday. Um, the other two, um, Richardson and Jones are two um, really good players that Kentucky is going to continue to recruit. They weren't expected to sign from what I'm understanding mm-hmm. um, in the early period. Uh, we're going to have to fight to keep those guys, um, but there's definitely still a good chance for that. One of, one of the biggest things that came out of this whole thing was Kentucky stealing almost all of the players from the city of Louisville. Like with, that I mean, program being in shambles right now, this was huge for Kentucky because there were a lot of good players. This is the perfect time to capitalize uh, as far as Kentucky and its own home farm system. You know, yeah. the, the, this is p- 
primo time. Take all those kids that are good. Take them from everywhere in the state because you do really don't have an in-state rival right now. And hopefully, you know, we'll get two or three good years out of that as, you know, they try to fix whatever a sham of a football program that they have right now right. is. Yeah, I mean, we, we were able to pick up two four-stars that realistically probably would have gone to Louisville if their program was in better shape. But Jared Casey and J.J. Weaver, two uh, defensive backs that are great talents that we've got now. So that's fantastic. I love keeping the talent home. Yeah, that it's always great. Um, any I, – I know personally I, I saw, you know, how many signed and anything, but I didn't get a chance to – look at you know all the names uh i don't want to put you on the spot was there any name that stuck out to you that you were happy that we got that if you had a chance to yeah we had a surprise um the only guy that committed that or that sign that was not even committed to us yet was quandre mosley mm-hmm. um he's the number 16 juco um prospect in the country okay and he's a defensive back he'll be coming in as a i believe a safety uh um, and I think he'll probably start next year. So that's a huge oh, wow. hit for Stoops. Yeah, that that's a guy that I guess they knew they were in good shape with that the rest of the country really didn't. So that's huge. And then the uh, Travis Tisdales, the running back we got out of Georgia, mm-hmm. uh, the coaching staff is comparing him to Boom Williams 2.0. That's oh, never man. a bad thing when you hear that. And um, on the radio shows and on the you know their interviews, they were saying the running backs we have now are awesome. Mm-hmm. but they're kind of like the bruiser type running backs. Now we have the guy with speed to go along with them. Yeah. Which you definitely need in this new day and age with football and how everything, you know, you need also need people who are pass oriented and yeah. you know, someone who can get out into space that those are and two think, good things. Yeah. And I think we're seeing some good results of having this season that we just had uh Kevon Butler out of Ohio. Ohio State was all over that guy the last few weeks to get him to sign with them, and he stayed committed and signed with us. Wow. Like, that doesn't happen three years ago. Not at so, all. So that's a good sign. Yeah, U- UK football has something to be excited about. And the thing is, and this is one thing that I'll um, I'll gladly say with pride, even because there's just times, man, uh, I've explained to you, I just don't know what stoops, man. <laughs> there's some things where I just question him, okay? And – um. But the thing about recruiting, it, that's the one thing that I can trust him in because he finds, you know, those two or three star, four star talents that, you know, yeah, they're not highly sought after and things like that. No, we're not getting all the biggest names in the world, but there are players with potential who can really progress and become somebody like Josh Allen. And I'm going to use Josh Allen for every metaphor ever <laughs> right. because you just, you know, it's that finding a player like that shows not only that player's ability to progress and get better, but that was something that, you know, these people had to scout fine and, you know, progress these players up with the help. And I don't know, I trust stoops. And I think even though we do have the 10th ranked, like you said, sec draft class, which is expected with us being in the sec, that's where every player wants to really go. Um, it we're, just means more. Yeah. <laughs> we, we're going, I think uh, Stoops has definitely got this place heading in the right direction. And yeah. that, that definitely means excited, uh, excitement for uh, us, but even more so you, sir, because <laughs> you, yeah. you well, love. And then there's, there's the rumor of the transfer too. So that's pretty big. 
transfer. Uh, Jaron Williams, uh, four-star quarterback, is transferring from Miami. Uh-huh. And he was originally a Kentucky commit. And really? rumors are flying around that he's coming to Kentucky. I knew he was transferring, but I did not know that Kentucky was in there. Okay. Yes. So that would be a awesome addition, too. I Yeah, I would love that. Please, let's do this. Let's make it happen. Okay. So now that we've recapped that... Uh, another thing that you want to talk about, sir, which I, I'm actually really interested in hearing your opinion on this. Uh, KSR, uh, Kentucky Sports Radio, announced that uh, Jordan Jones will not be participating in UK's bowl game. Obviously, we know college players uh, sit out bowl games all the time to protect themselves from getting injured and ensure that you know they're able to get to the draft and be the best prospect that they can be. But what are your thoughts on doing this and and things like that you know do you agree with it disagree what's your opinion michael well and i look today and it looks like there's over 20 players that are hoping to be first or second round picks that are sitting out their bowl games this year Mm -hmm. and i you know what i don't blame them one bit until the ncaa starts paying them i i i absolutely see nothing against them doing this i I think it's a good idea on their part Mm mm-hmm like, I mean, it's, it's seriously, it's their future that they're waiting about. And there's no reason the NCAA couldn't rework their system to get players some compensation. Like, I, I think it would be an issue if you're in the playoffs, mm-hmm. but if you're in a, basically every bowl game outside of the playoffs is meaningless. So if you're in one of those bowl games, I don't, I don't blame any of them for not playing. Now to be, you know, instead of just both agreeing, because I do agree with you, I'm going to play a little bit of a devil's advocate Um, what about, uh, it used to be you use these bowl games to be on a big stage and show all of the, you know, people, what you can do on prime time, you know, playing against better opponents, things like that. You know, what do you think caused us to go away from that? Because that was originally how players took it. And then now, you know, obviously they, they're trying to protect themselves rather than, give themselves more exposure because we saw players in the past who would have a great bowl game and they would launch up in the rankings as far as their draft. Yeah. I think the biggest difference is the national exposure, the way it is now. Like, I mean, it was a period of time and these bowl games were the only time a lot of these teams were on national television. It's not the case anymore. Mm -hmm. So I, I think the NFL has a lot more, um, tape and a lot more to see. Uh, a lot more time to see these players. They don't need the big matchup bowl game to see who's good and who's not. They've just got so much information. It's not needed anymore. Gotcha. All these statistics, man. So, I mean, that makes sense. And like I said, I, I personally am in agreement. Unless they're being paid to do a job, you know, we cannot expect these kids to have to do that. They deserve to protect themselves and protect whatever um, eligibility money that they're coming into. Um, you know, they've earned that. And so I agree. And as long as none of the players around them have an issue with it, you know, then I think every all the fans should fully support it. Um, yeah. I do like how you mentioned, though, the playoffs. What do you think – repercussions would be if somebody was like, you know what, I've had a good enough season, I'm not playing in the playoffs. Well, then I think if you're an NFL team, you have to look at that because I guess this, that's the flip side of fans. Mm-hmm. Is he always going to be that way? Are there going to be plays where he's thinking, ooh, I need to make this play, but that might hurt me? 
Um, I'm just going to let that guy go through mm-hmm. to protect their the longevity of their career. I, I feel like if you're missing playoff games, that's when you have to look at it a, in a different way mm-hmm. as this, you know, it, well, like, what's this guy going to do when it's a contract year? True. Is he not yeah. going to want to risk himself because there's another contract coming up? Like, I, I think that's when you kind of get into, you know, a little bit more of a dirty water type situation. Okay. Yeah, that definitely more of a slippery slope if you take that route. Yeah. All right. Now I had a bonus question. This was not one that you suggested, but uh, all morning long I was listening to sports radio and this was everything everyone was talking about. And so I was like, you know what? I forgot. Or well, I remembered that uh, Mr. McCarty explained that he is also an NBA expert on our last episode. Um, So and this is also Big Blue Nation in itself. So Anthony Davis, this is his last year signed with the Pelicans, and he is going to be a free agent this summer. So this is kind of a two part question. You know, where should Anthony Davis go in free agency? And then you you can answer that. And then also should the Pelicans just trade Anthony so they can ensure that they get something in return in case they were to lose him in free agency? Oh, well, the Pelicans absolutely have to trade him. But unless I'm wrong, I think he he has an option to take an extension this year, but I think he's still signed on with the Pelicans next year. Is he? Yes, I think okay. he is. I think, yeah, I think the issue they're talking about is exactly what you said, the trade. Mm-hmm. Because if he doesn't sign that in the offseason, the Pelicans have to trade him because they can't afford to lose him for nothing. So then so where that, do you trade him to? Summer. Oh, I mean, the Lakers are doing nothing but buying young talent to trade for him. That's that's who wants it. The Lakers and the Celtics want him the most. Hmm. But I, I definitely see him traded. The I think the Lakers are the short answer on where he will go. He'll go and play with LeBron. Mm-hmm. Um, the Celtics are going to try everything to get him. And then, um, honestly, if Durant leaves Golden State this offseason, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if Golden State went after him. Well, I, yeah, the word is is that KD is going to leave, um, but nobody knows where he's going to go. There's been rumors yeah. about joining LeBron, going back to Washington, going back to OKC, even. Um, that I, but you're the only person to mention actually uh, the Warriors going for him. That would be an interesting matchup. Yeah, I think uh, him and Curry would actually work very well. I think so too. I my, I would love to see him go to Washington. Like I think it would be a bad move mm-hmm. for um Davis just because Washington's not a contender and he should he deserves to go to a contender. Mm-hmm. Um but I would love to see Wall and Davis play together. I think they would be amazing together. Due to UK alums, man. Right. Uh the good years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, so how about this? So um Leonard is uh- most likely going to join the Lakers as a free agent this summer anyway. Uh-huh. So you're looking at LeBron, Leonard, and say they get um, Davis. So that's already a good three duo right there. Why not throw in DeMarcus Cousins? He's only, at, he's only there for a year Dude. in Golden State. They need a center. Dude, that – we do you realize – that we would go from talking about, wow, Golden State is the most overpowered team we've ever seen. That would be the most overpowered team we've ever seen in the history of NBA. That yeah, would not even so be many, fair. There's so many point guards that are free agents that you could grab a point guard 
no problem. And then you've got your starting five, and then you know what? Just fill in. There's going to be enough <laughs> veterans around the league that are be, that will be willing to take minimum veteran money to be on a championship team. <sighs> that would be nuts. Do you think, though, that uh, – I mean, it is a good question uh, how you're bringing up about DeMarcus maybe going. Do you think that he's willing to do another one-and-done year? I, I I don't know if – they would probably have to sign him for more than one, I think. Uh-huh. And, you know, he tried to sign with the Lakers, and the Lakers decided not to at the last minute. So he might not be willing to do this. Mm-hmm. But he does get along great with Davis, and he is a good big man. So unless he comes back from his injury next month and just looks horrible the rest of this year, I, I think he's going to be offered some pretty good positions out there in the league. Yeah, I guess everyone's just kind of patiently waiting and seeing, okay, how does he ba- bounce back from this torn Achilles? Yeah. Um, you know, if he comes out and all of a sudden, you know, Golden State Warriors just become gods again because they have him, yeah, he'll be uh, looking for a payday for sure because he put a, yeah. bel- a bet on himself by taking that minimum yes. contract yes he did so that is going to be interesting so that is everything that i wanted to talk to you about michael but i just thought about something and i'm sorry if i'm holding you up um, no you're fine i uh definitely wanted to see what is your okay let me explain myself first obviously i love uk basketball and i love seeing all of you the uk basketball players throughout the nba how do you feel when they start having beef with each other because it bothers me. Ernest Cantor and Devin Booker had a little back and forth the other day, and it just like rubbed me the wrong way. <laughs> oh, they're like they're like siblings. They're gonna argue and they're gonna fight and they're gonna do that. But at the end of the day, they're all cats. Do you it's think expected. they look at it that way though? I think a lot of them do. Okay, I, I really do think a lot of them do look at it that way. Because that that was my thing. Is I I just I never knew you know, how much that mattered past, you know, the college point. Yeah, I think it matters a lot. I think Cal's really good at that. I think Cal likes to create a family with his ex-players. And mm-hmm. so I think with having so many of these NBA players while he's coaching in Kentucky, I think he's really done a lot to cra- kind of create that family atmosphere. But, I mean, you have a lot of egos there, too. You're going to have some issues. But I think overall, I think they all get along pretty well. Yeah, it'll. I I just I, I just thought about that, so I wanted to bring that yeah. up because it. I was just like, stop, stop. <laughs> we, we're family. Come together. Stop giving each other the L's. You know, let's just yeah. move on. <laughs> well, but, I have a crazy one for you because we were just talking about power teams uh-huh. in the in the NBA, and so you know I don't have as much of a problem with it as a lot of people do, but I have an insane and I'm going to stress insane theory for on how to fix the nba power teams Uh oh okay i'm listening yeah okay so nba wants to expand anyway so you go ahead and expand add four more teams add one in louisville because that would make me happy (laughs) and then you have a draft with every nba player in it every like no protections like nothing you're starting from scratch you have a lottery to pick the draft order like a straight one ball for each team in their lottery. Uh-huh. And then you have a straight draft. First of all, that would dominate the news headlines for months. Because think about it. LeBron James, he's probably not going to be the first pick. Because mm-hmm. you're picking for a future. Yeah. He's nearing the end of his career. Are you going to take him first? Uh, yeah, see, that's a hard one. I don't know. <laughs> 
because yeah and you, so and then i think in order to keep this from happening you limit trades and then you have this draft every 10 years a kind of reset every 10 years wow that keep would the league fresh that would change the landscape of sports altogether i mean yeah it, it would be amazing like the draft week would be awesome you could have like the first and second round on mm-hmm. thursday third fourth and fifth on friday so going into the weekend you have your starting lineup and then you draft to fill out the rest of <sighs> over the weekend that is i don't know man it's that's a really cool idea but that to me that's a scary idea <laughs> just because there there's you know there's really no potential you know as far as like stretches which is what you're trying to say is you know get rid of you know what started because of my beloved Miami Heat when all the superstars came together and were like we're going to win not one not two we're going to stop there um and you, <laughs> the new not, not to kick your heat but i think the Celtics did it first but well uh, i uh, fine i'll give you that fine fine <laughs> But I, yeah, no, I mean, you could still build a little bit of a dynasty, though. If you have 10 years, you can you could definitely build that up. Yeah, but most three, most of these players, though, last 20. So you're only getting them half of their, you know, their period. Yeah. Could you imagine how competitive the league would be, though, the year before a draft? Dude, it would be a madhouse. The pay scale would be heavy on, you know, obviously the first couple rounds would get paid a whole lot more. So everyone would be playing every game to get those high draft picks. So I, okay. So that actually, you just saying that would, uh, that would, I think be the hardest part is the contracts. Like, you know, because the whole free agent marketing and stuff like that, you know, for, if everyone was reintroduced, you, you know, what would the number one draft pick be? It would have to be a super max seven years, like 200 million. Like, you know, that's, that's the hard part. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you'd have to rearrange all that. You'd probably do like five years for first round picks, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that, but it would keep a lot of the, I mean, you, you knock out the first 30 something best players of the NBA and keep them from going to the same team. It's going to make the league more competitive. Cause I mean, the goal of a professional league is to have all your teams right around 500, right? Yeah. Because then you're an even spread out. Every game's a good game leak. And I think this would get you closer to that. Yeah, because that is not what the NBA is. Actually, last night I counted it up. There are um, 11 uh, West teams who are above 500 and seven in the East. Yes. <laughs> that is bad. Yeah. yeah, no, it is. Yeah, it is. And I mean, and we're going to see it in this offseason because the Lakers are going to go from a mediocre team to one of the richest teams in the league just in one offseason. That, yeah, I, I like it. All right. We're, this will be our goal, sir. We will uh, begin finding ways to get this in the street, get everyone wanting this and hopefully come 10 years down the road. You pioneered the change of sports because, you know, if that ever happened in in just basketball that would have to happen in all the other sports they would want to do the same thing yeah i don't don't know football's got too many players to do that though it might not work as well but do they i mean i yes i obviously know we're going from like 15 to 53 yeah but you the the players that matter the most you know you have the the NFL draft used to be what uh like twenty something rounds, I yeah. mean 
it would just be like going back to the old days. Yeah. I don't know. The the NBA is more, I'm more than, more than willing to give this idea to the NBA to run with. All I ask in return is an NBA team in the local. (laughs) No, (laughs) Michael, you just, uh, you failed, man. You failed. Yeah. It should yeah. be your team in Louisville. My team? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody can, you know, front me that money. Absolutely. Well, they're going to give you the team. Out <laughs> they're going to give me the team. Because that would be they're, great. They're thanking you for the great idea that, you know, turned the NBA from a, you know, the number two sport in our country to the number one most profitable sport. So if I, if I owned an NBA franchise, I would have to have a general manager with an agreement that I could not make any decisions on <laughs> what players were on the team, or otherwise there would be 15 ex-Kentucky players you know, playing on though, that team every single year. You would be really good, like, especially right now. If I, I like to do this on 2K. I will, you know, take a team, I will trade or cut every player, and then rebuild it with UK players, and it turns out pretty good, so. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because 2K is like real life. So Right. It's the exact same thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sir. We've, man, we've already gone on for about 35 minutes. This has been great. Okay. Is there anything else, uh, Big Blue Nation, NBA, anything that you want to talk about, sir, before I let you go? Nothing else I want to really talk about. I just, I'll throw out one more comment. Okay. Rick Pitino coaching in a Greek leagues, the funniest thing I've heard in a long time. I, when I saw that, I was like, I'm just really surprised that he has stooped to that point. I think it's wonderful. Of course you do. (laughs) (laughs) You, you love anything that involves, you know, I might buy a shirt. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Seriously thinking about it. If you do that, we're going to need to get you one of those, uh, heat up things. And we're going to put Bettino number one fan on the back of it. Okay. (laughs) And then, yeah, we'll just make a whole podcast for you. Just talking about that and see how well that turns out. Okay. (laughs) But all right, sir. I appreciate you uh, coming on the show again. We will look forward to talking to you next Friday, hopefully talking about a UNC win and then we'll also, uh, you know, really gear up for um, UK's bowl game. That's going to be really important. I'm going to be excited to hear your predictions there. So you have a great weekend, sir, and also have a great Christmas. And I'll, uh, I'll talk to you next Friday. Absolutely. Same to you, man. Thanks. All right. Bye. All right, everybody. So that was Michael McCarthy. He is awesome. Thank you for joining the show, sir. Um, we are going to take a quick break. I'm going to come back. I'm going to talk about some NBA, NBA, NKU news because this still is the local portion. And then we are going to bring Brian in to talk some bangles with you. So this is Double Technical Podcast, and I'll be right back after this. Welcome back to the Double Technical Podcast, everybody. Obviously, you know who this is. All right, so continuing on in the local segments, I'm going to quickly talk about NKU. Um, NKU is probably, well, it is the team that I'm closest to in terms of geography. Um, They are 
because I am filming in this the night before. I'm sorry to admit that, but they are currently losing to Northern Illinois, but hopefully everything uh, shapes up. I did talk about them taking down Miami, Ohio, um, Northern Illinois. Um, I definitely think that um, NKU will be able to take care of business here. Like I said, it's in the second half currently. I'm sorry if you're list- when you're listening to this tomorrow, this game will already be done. Um, but for uh, time constraints, I had to film this the night prior. Um, so hopefully uh, we will be cheering them on to a victory. And ho- um, when you're hearing this, you'll you'll be like, yeah, they won, Lucas. So you can stop talking about it. So the next thing is none other than the Bengals. And who better than to talk with when it comes to the Bengals then the one, the only, my best friend, the man with a guitar pick in his hand, Brian Goins. Oh, how good it is to be back. Goodness gracious, it's been a long time. Uh, Jeez, you yeah. just blew out everything. <laughs> Sorry, ladies and gentlemen, but you know what? That was the the welcome that you guys deserved with Brian coming back. Uh, you know, nothing better than to blow have, out your headphones and or your car radio. Yeah, I have to roll in. I have to roll in with a bang, man. I can't just. I can't. If I'm gonna come back, I'm gonna. I gotta. I gotta. You know, make an impact. You gotta make an impact right away. You know, I'm an impact player, and I I, I like to change the game sometimes. So. Yeah, I mean that that is definitely what you are. Let me. <laughs> All right. So, I uh, like I said, we're going to talk about Bengals and a few other little tidbits with Brian today. Uh, first off, sir, why don't you tell the people what all you've been up to? Um, you've been just very busy, man. We've missed you on the show very much. Yeah, man. I've been on the road. Uh, I've been I've been everywhere from Omaha to Des Moines to. Uh... Gee, I don't even know where I've been. Um, I, I, I've been a lot, a lot of Midwest states going on. Um, mostly, uh, I've been playing guitar for for Jake Dodd. Um, yeah, the road's been good to us. Uh, we did have a weekend off last weekend, but I did a lot of family time uh, then, and 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 used that time accordingly. And then, uh, yeah, the 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 heck, the craziness starts up again tomorrow. I go to uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So. Good old Milwaukee. It's. I hope it's not cold, man, because that's all it's been the past few weeks is just cold, cold, cold. You know it's going to be cold, man. I it's know, Milwaukee. Man. <laughs> I know the uh, we uh, we we have nothing but cold weather trips in January. Actually, in February we go to Fargo, North Dakota, and I haven't been to Fargo in since New Year's. And while I love the city of Fargo, North Dakota, like it's a second home to me, it is so cold. <laughs> in the winter months it's like a completely different planet up there so i was about to say you think in january you you'd want to really book things down south where it's warm well this is it it's kind of depends on who's paying and who's sending anywhere so it's, it, it's right now the midwest loves us so that's that's a good point so oh we've we've missed you dearly my friend uh and you know, a lot, a lot of things has happened since we last talked as far as the Bengals, which is obviously what we are going to talk about. So Bengals have the Browns coming up on Sunday. Um, 
Brian, give us, you know, you can give your brief kind of thing on the past few games since we haven't heard from you. And then uh, talk to us about what you expect to happen uh, this weekend against the Browns. Well, obviously, a lot of dramatic changes have happened with the Bengals. Uh, Andy Dalton going down with an injury, AJ Green going down for good for the season. Um, it's it, it's been tough. Uh, the actually, the uh, I, I watched the last Bengals Browns game in in Virginia, and um, it, it 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 was it was a little tough to watch. Uh, and that was, I believe, the game that Andy Dalton had gone down, and we had to we had yep. to turn it over to Jeff Driscoll. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Yeah, it's it's been a rough couple weeks, and and I mean, I don't necessarily I I hate to I hate to rag on coaching, so I'm gonna it, it's been a common theme to rag on coaching, um, just kind of around the media and 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 most analysts and 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 even people that I speak to, they've been it's been really easy to rag on coaching, and I'm not saying that's not justified, but man, talk about as far as recent memories, the injury bug has been just brutal this has been the, the the hardest season for injuries i think i've ever seen as a Bengals fan which is it's injuries especially as many as as, as we've seen this year it's just so it's just deflating it just deflates all of your momentum and it just seems like as soon as week five hit i mean obviously we'd already dealt with the tyler eifert injury the other two tight ends that we had been uh, replacing him with had been going through some bugs. Um, it just seems like ever since week five in Pittsburgh, it's just we've just been getting decimated as, as far as the injury bug goes. Um, so that's kind of that's that's really all I want to say on the past few weeks is it's just been really tough to see guy you know play after player go down. Mm-hmm. Uh, now as far as as far as uh, going into this weekend goes, this is the first time that I confidently can say in a very long time that the Bengals are a severe underdog against the Browns. Um, and, Interesting. And that's that's really, um, yeah, this is the first time I can say that the Bengals are, are a severe underdog against the Browns. Jeff Driscoll hasn't, um, Jeff Driscoll hasn't really, I'm not saying he's been a failure as a backup quarterback as far as a replacement, but he hasn't been the A.J. McCarron we thought we could have. True. Um, Very true. Tyler Boyd's been productive, but Tyler Boyd got hurt last week, and we probably won't see him this week. Uh, John Ross probably won't play this week. I mean, we're down to Cody Core as a number one receiver this week. Um, <laughs> that that's sentence. Tough. That sentence. <laughs> yeah, that's really tough because Cody Core is really. Really, uh, not. I, he's. I don't think he's an NFL caliber receiver at all. He's very mediocre. Uh, man, <laughs> is that what the show has turned into in my absence? Just puns, man. <laughs> yes, very bad ones at that. Sorry, continue your thought. Ignore me. I'm <laughs> just going to go ahead and mute my mic. We're, <laughs> we're all, you know, we're holding on to Cody Core, Alex, er- Alex Erickson, uh, Auden Tate as our as our three head three pronged attack right now. The only like the only positive that I can see is we can actually see Auden Tate as an NFL receiver this week. Uh, which is something that I've wanted to see all season. Mm-hmm. Um, out of all of the rookies, I think he's the one that's been given the least amount of opportunity as far as what he can do. Um, I mean, Marvin Lewis has given his reasoning, but I can't say this is typical Marvin Lewis holding a rookie back because he started Jesse Bates at the start of the season. So, um, 
I don't know. I, I'm excited to see Auden Tate kind of get his opportunities because I really think that he showed himself in the preseason to be a high-caliber receiver, at least high enough to work himself into a consistent slot option. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's one matchup I'm going to be looking at. Um, he he, It seems like last week against the Ravens, Marvin Lewis was trying to give Jeff Driscoll a little bit more opportunity to sling the ball around. Um, the problem with that being our only deep threat or our only consistent uh, option as far as deep ball goes uh, was John Ross. Um, as far as the scheme went, so if that's your only option, you, you, it's 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 one dimensional, and you don't really give a guy consistent opportunities to to you know make the deep throw. And I will say, and I think I texted you this: uh, Jeff Driscoll underthrew John Ross, which is not promising. How do you <laughs> underthrow John Ross? How do you underthrow four two speed? It's I well, don't know. It's, it just means he didn't have the greatest arm strength. So, uh, yeah, which I didn't think was the, was the case with him, man. Um, Jeff Driscoll showed promise, especially at Florida before he had to transfer uh, with solid arm strength. So, I'm I'm gonna chalk that up to uh, to inexperience. But one thing I do wanna I I do wanna say. Um, not I, I mean I'm gonna I'll sit there and harp on offense all day long. But one thing I do wanna say it's gonna be really interesting to see how the defensive line steps up because I think since Marvin Lewis has taken over the defensive coordinating the defensive line has kind of gone not necessarily to the level they should have been at the start of the year but they've improved tenfold Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's going to be a key against Baker Mayfield Uh, especially I mean Baker Mayfield went 19 to 26 for 258 against the Bengals the first time they met he threw four touchdowns and he wasn't sacked he was only hit one time and only hurried five times and that was with Terrell Austin as a play caller. So pressuring Baker Mayfield has been something that has been really difficult for teams, but was particularly uh, difficult for the Bengals uh, the first time that these guys met this year. Um, now with the improved defensive line play, it's going to be important to see guys, you know, not just Carlos Dunlap and Geno Atkins, who, again, have proven to be the caliber players they need to be, but guys like Sam Hubbard, um, and, and respect, especially Sam Hubbard, who stepped up huge um, in the past couple weeks. It's going to be important to, to just, you know, utilize the depth like Marvin Lewis has the past few weeks. Um, another big matchup, uh, Nick Chubb uh, on defense. We, uh, we, we have to hold Nick Chubb to, to under 100 yards. Um, it's... It's possible to do that, but we also, you know, the the important thing beyond holding him under 100 yards, that's where pressuring Baker Mayfield comes in. We have to take away Nick Chubb as a consistent option in the passing game, which is really tough because Nick Chubb has proven to be an all-star at running back. Um, so good play against Nick Chubb, uh, suppressing him because uh, the receiving core necessarily uh, cannot the receiving core, I don't think, can match up as well against our secondary receiving cores in weeks past, um, which when that's the case, uh, teams are going to try and game plan the running back consistently into the passing game. So uh, suppressing Nick Chubb in the passing game is going to be a huge thing, obviously on the ground, um, and, and I think all, a lot of that stems to our linebacker play, which all year has been lacking. Um, so... Uh, Linebackers need to step up against Nick Chubb, and that that's that's my biggest thing on defense. Um, so, I don't know. Th- those are my keys, really. Uh, suppress Nick Chubb, pressure Baker Mayfield, uh, and and 
make the most of what we got um, on offense. And we have to incorporate Joe Mixon into the pass game. That's what's really killing me right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we haven't incorporated Joe Mixon into the pass game at all. We've tried to incorporate Giovanni Bernard, but it's too predictable when you have one guy who's like the Darren Sproles receiving option at running back and one guy who you're just going to sit between the tackles. Joe Mixon is a great receiving running back, and we have to take advantage of that. Right now, we can't rely on him just to get yards to the ground. That's not how an NFL offense works. Yeah, I don't. So, I don't know why they've they kind of went away in the past weeks from using him as a receiving back. He made, especially early on in the season, some really good plays by catching the ball. I I remember oh. one instance where you know he caught a diving catch to get a first down in a, a very important game. I think it was the Steelers when we were trying to make our run. Yeah. You know, like he he can handle himself as a receiver out of the backfield well look at the last drive against atlanta we we had three pivotal passes to get first downs with joe mixon um and that was when we were operating almost a full strength uh as a passing attack joe mixon is 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 invaluable to balancing out your passing attack um and and it we need to respect him as such so that play calling on offense is going to be a big 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 thing if the Bengals want to be able to hold up against um, the potential high-scoring Browns offense, which is something I have never been able to say in my lifetime. So you you say all these lovely, fancy, and eloquent things like you always do, Brian, because you're so meticulous and so uh, just you, you, you know how to say words. So at the end all, be all, who comes away with the victory on Sunday? I hate to say it, but I'm going to say it's going to be 28-17 Browns, and that's the first time I've picked against the Bengals this year. Wow. I'm going to say 28-17 Browns. Um, I, I'm not necessarily saying it's a tank season for the Bengals, and I'll get into that a little bit later. Um, but I, I think especially if you're missing Tyler Boyd and John Ross this week, it's just that they're, it's going to be really hard to keep up. It's going to be really hard to keep up. Um, and, yeah, at the end of the day, um, this is just it, 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 the, Browns, the Browns have improved massively, and, and, and I don't know if the Bengals can keep up. Yeah, it, it it's funny. This is the first time you pick up uh, against the Bengals. There's no so nobody surprised I've picked against them several times. Um, anyways, sure. uh, <laughs> because sure. you know that's me. I, I was uh, you'll hear it when you listen back. But I was speaking to Michael. I've finally just learned to accept uh, the very pessimistic fan that I am, and I'm just going to roll with it. I'm just going to be honest and just uh, yeah, that's me. So, yeah, I mean, and, and I've gotten to that point at the end of this season as well. And I can get into that a little bit more. Um, but, uh, there's just, it's kind of been an all out war as far as luck and, and, and just a very, just varying degrees of, 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 of bad situations with the Bengals this season. Um, just been really disappointing, unfortunately. Yeah, especially after that start. So yeah, the the next thing that I want to talk about, and you kind of just alluded to it. Um, the thing that I wanted to say, which this this ain't as much of a valid question now that we beat Oakland. Um, but I was before the Oakland game in full belief that we needed to just go ahead and lose out the last three games to put us in the best situation to have a high, uh, draft pick. Do you think that that? is the right path for this organization going into the off season. Should these last two games, should we just let them go or, you know, do we need to really try to give our best effort and see kind of what we have going into the off season? 
Uh, I'm going to say that we don't need to tank, to be honest with you. Um, just to, to, I, I, think it's, I think it's pointless to tank for a couple reasons. Um, I, I'm right there with you. Uh, you know, you said, give, given, I, I think we need to give the younger players an opportunity to, to get some in-game experience. Um, and, and, and here's why I think tanking is pointless. I don't think it matters where the Bengals pick if it's between uh, pick 10 and pick 15 or pick 7 and pick 15. It doesn't matter because the Bengals, I think, uh, as far as what I'm looking at uh, when it comes to the prospects going into the draft and the Bengals' needs, I think the Bengals are going linebacker in the first round, and no linebacker is going to go top 10 in any NFL team. And the Bengals have a need at linebacker that no team in the NFL uh, really compares to the need the Bengals have at linebacker is, is a lot larger than any other team. So I think as far as a high draft pick, it doesn't matter where the Bengals will pick because they're probably gonna get the best available linebacker. Uh, Hopefully, draft. Josh Allen. Hope I mean it would be cool if it was Josh Allen. I would like that, but they might they might want somebody who's more of a passing game, uh, more more of a coverage linebacker. I think that's their biggest need, and I don't think any team needs that more than the Bengals right now. Yeah. Uh, so I would say, honestly, I don't think tanking really does us anything favorable in the draft. Um, you know, unless unless the Bengals want to want to try and get you know an opportunity to trade up uh, in later rounds, maybe uh, try to squeeze out a second first round pick uh, by getting a high pick in the second round. I don't know if the Bengals are trying to do that. Maybe tanking would help, but other uh, I would rather see. You know, guys like Auden take at opportunities. See guys like Darius Phillips uh, get uh, um, get an opportunity on defense. Try to see the true depths uh, after we put Malik Jefferson on IR. Try to see some of these linebackers get a bit more of an opportunity um, just to just to get in game experience. Because regardless of whether your season is lost, it's important to give your young guys in game experience because. Depth is everything in the NFL, which has been proven by the Bengals this year mm-hmm. by having, you know, now 15 players on injured reserve. Okay. I mean, I, you know, like I said, I was in the firm belief before the Oakland game to do that because then we really could have moved ourselves up um, in the position of the draft. Now, these last two games, I'm kind of, you know, I'm with you. Let's just throw in all of our, all the backups. Like, mm-hmm. let's not even worry about even, like, putting Gino and Carlos. Like, let's give everyone who normally rides our bench an opportunity to show us, hey, what is your value to this organization? Like, mm-hmm. what can you give us if we need to call on you come next year when we're really trying to make a fight and we have injuries? You know, what can you provide us? Why should we keep you? Yeah, I it's almost that's... like preseason. It's almost like preseason two point Yeah, yeah, that's a great way of putting it. Mm-hmm. So, so that's that's where I'm at as far as the Bengals need to go look at the rest of the season. Um, I don't think tanking's going to do anything for us. And uh, yeah, that's 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 how I'm looking at it. So we'll we'll move on to the next question, which uh, you know again ties into what you're talking about. How we need to get a linebacker in the first round. What does the what do the Bengals as an organization need to do uh, in the draft in free agency to be successful. I'm not so worried about who's coaching our team and things like that, but the players who, who and what should we be looking to go after and expecting this organization to get to really move us up from this team that, you know, shows glimmer of being a, a 
one of the best teams in the NFL to actually maintaining that rather than being a flash? Well, um, I, I think I think an instant impact defender is priority number one to me um, at the linebacker position. That's that's I think that's paramount. Um, I, I think an an instant impact uh, linebacker, um, much like we did when we drafted Vontez Burfik, who coincidentally was the first linebacker we drafted in the first two rounds. Um, we haven't we haven't done that. Uh, we haven't drafted a. a, a uh, first, second round uh, linebacker. What since two thousand nine? Since Ray, since Ray Maluga, not even Vontaze Perfect. Since Ray Maluga in two thousand nine, we haven't drafted a linebacker in the first two rounds, and that's darn. That's a long time evident. ago. <laughs> yeah, that's been very evident in our linebacker play in the past couple of years. We haven't been good in coverage, um, and and um, and, and I think uh, I think it's it's time. Uh, I'm looking at, at uh, I I can't. I can't remember who what his first name is. LSU's top running back leads with 115 tackles. He just won the Butkus Award. Um, oh, what's what's his? I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to get. I'm trying to pull his <laughs> name up. Devin White. Devin White. Um, I think Devin White is 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 that guy who's kind of a great all around linebacker. He's fantastic in coverage. He's a great open field tackler. He can pressure when we need him to pressure, um, and he's all around. He can be a guy we can anchor our defensive, our, our defense schemes on. And uh, I think the Bengals need to look at Devin White. Um, and I think they are, they are the best. Um, they're the best team to 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 do that. I think because I'd say besides, um, I, I I would I would say besides Montez Sweat, I think he's he Montez Sweat and Josh Allen. I think are the only two linebackers that are all around better than him, but they have a different skill set than Devin White does. There are more pressure guys that kind of float between outside linebacker and defensive end, defensive tackle. Um, whereas I think Devin White is a pure, he's, he's a pure linebacker. Um, he's, a, he's, he's somebody who will be able to plug up the run in the middle, uh, prevent second level play from happening, which has been a struggle for the Bengals. He's a guy who can cover the running back out of the backfield. He's very fast. He's very athletic. Um, that's, that's as far as first round goes, that's what I'm looking at right now for the Bengals is a linebacker hundred percent. Mm-hmm. Uh, when the second round comes around, um, I, I'm 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 thinking the Bengals look at just beefing up that offensive line depth. Um, we don't necessarily have a ton of opportunity to draft. Uh, I, I don't think I don't think the pool of talent in this draft necessarily lends itself to getting another, um, you know, immediate starter at uh, the offensive line. You know, there's there's not really any any tackles that I think we'll be able to hold up on the end. Um, much like you know this previous season where we saw a bunch of guys go in the first round and and, and become immediate impact starters like Billy Price and and the other and the other guy from uh, the, the guys from Notre Dame, um, who got starting jobs this year. Um, so I think the Bengals might try to beef up the the depth on offensive line in the second round. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised to see at some point between rounds three and five, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Bengals draft a quarterback. Um, wow. To, to at least just, you know, start preparing. I mean, we have to think. Andy Dalton's going to be 31 years old. Um, he's got uh, another, what, two years left on his contract. He's not going to sign another another giant contract at age 33. Um, I don't think he has – I don't think he has another, you know, five years in him 
um, as a quarterback. So I think it's maybe it's time to just start preparing for contingency plans after uh, Andy Dalton, especially after an injury season like this where we didn't have necessarily an A.J. McCarron level uh, backup. I think it's interesting, um, though, you know, that you uh, mentioned that because Lance McAllister also said something like that uh, today, um, how we need to get somebody in there behind him who's competent enough to threaten because we kind of got our best Andy Dalton when AJ was kind of lurking behind him. Yeah, and honestly, and, and I still think at the, I still think this season was – Especially early on in the season, we looked at. I think we looked at the best version of Andy Dalton. And I, I said that before the season started. I said that the entirety of the season, we were getting the best we could out of Andy Dalton given his circumstances. So um, I can't. I'm not saying this necessarily to to down Andy Dalton as a quarterback at all. I still think he's a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback. I still think he he is the leader that the team can put. Um, can't he? He can put the team on his back and really take this team places. You're just thinking more longevity. I'm thinking, you know, you're not gonna have him forever, and you can't like look at look around the league, especially look at the teams who are who are top dog right now, or look at teams who are playoff teams. Um, their quarterback depth is is enough to rely on. Um, if their guy goes down, I mean, especially Nick Foles won a Super Bowl, and Nick Foles is is he. He's showing, and he's about to win turning, another one. I don't. Yeah, he's turning the Eagles around again this year. <laughs> um, and, and, and you know the uh, the Saints invested in uh, in Teddy Bridgewater, and 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 you know the, the list goes on and on as far as you know the Browns have Tyrod Taylor. If Baker Mayfield goes down, um, the backup quarterback is is more valuable, I think, than ever in the NFL as we've seen injuries kind of compile um, on starting quarterbacks. So I, I don't think it's a bad thing at all to look at, you know, a younger talent in the draft. There's not really, in this draft class, there's not really somebody who's, who's an outstanding quarterback prospect. As far as, like, we're not looking at, you know, five first-round quarterbacks this year. We're looking at guys who... Are we even looking at a first-round quarterback this year? Uh, there might be one that squeezes out of it. Uh, I mean. People are people are saying Dwayne Haskins. Um, what about but, Kyler Murray? Uh, Justin Herbert from Oregon. Um, Kyler Murray's going. To, I think I don't think Kyler Murray is playing in the NFL. You think he's going um, baseball? I think he's. I think they're holding down on that. But um, Drew Locke from Missouri will be a first rounder. I think. Um, other than that, um, I, I I don't think this is necessarily the the talent pool that we had. In, in the past season with uh, quarterbacks. So I think it'll be, you know, find a pro style guy who will go in the third to fifth round, somebody you can sit and develop. I think those are the, those are guys who turn into consistent, excellent, high quality backup quarterbacks who may get the opportunity to start when, when the time comes. So I wouldn't be surprised if round three to five is where the Bengals go. Um, beyond that, um, I mean, it's going to be a lot of bolstering defensive depth. I think the offense, if the offense stays healthy, the offense is fine where it's at, um, with the exception of the line. I was just about to um, say, so are you, so you pretty much have explained, um, the draft is free agency where the Bengals focus on improving that line. I, I would say, I would say it, 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 
the Bengals might learn from from making a good free agency move in in picking up Cordy Glenn, and uh, and I mean obviously Cordy Glenn hasn't been the all star left tackle we needed, but he's he's been a massive improvement every year's past. So maybe the Bengals have learned their lesson on 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 bolstering that offensive line depth. Um, so I, that's that's where I'm at uh, as far as what the Bengals should do in free agency, but I wouldn't be surprised if they try to do that in the draft as well. So we'll see. It, it's it's the two biggest needs are a hundred percent linebacker and offensive line. Yeah. Those are the two biggest needs. Maybe maybe a little bit more safety depth. I mean, obviously Jesse Bates has proven to be uh, an impactful starter. Sean Williams uh, has kind of turned himself into a drama queen on the field, mm-hmm. um, where he might be facing suspensions and whatnot if he keeps that up. So maybe a little bit of depth in the in the deep secondary, but right now linebacker and offensive line. Um, I would be I, I wouldn't be mad if we only drafted linebackers and offensive linemen in the draft. So, <laughs> so um, great great stuff. You see again. That's why we. That's why I'm bringing you in for this stuff. You you just know <laughs> you know this football. You know Bengals. You know that very 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 well, along with other sports. Real quick. Um, a thing I talked about before you came on, sir, I always, uh, I was previewing NKU and, uh, they were in the midst of playing. So they have finished up. NKU was able to take down Northern Illinois. Oh my goodness. Northern Illinois, 65 <laughs> to 62. Um, it was, uh, a very close game. Um, Drew McDonald struggled, uh, mightily. Um, he only had 15 points, 12 rebounds, one assist. He's usually more effective than that. He had a lot of foul trouble. There was a very poor shooting night for NKU, but they were still able to weather the storm and get another victory as they moved to 10-3 and three on the year. So, bonus question for you, Brian. Mm-hmm. I asked Michael this, and now I'm going to ask you this. Where should Anthony Davis go in free agency if he ends up becoming a free agent, okay? Or the the kind of slash on this question is is should um I I okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm freaking blanking. Um uh, or should the Pelicans trade him and who do you think he'll be traded to then? Well, I don't think a trade is very likely right now. I think the Pelicans are going to try and, and hold on to that supermax option they have uh, in you know to prevent him from going to free agency. Um, you know, the Pelicans have first dibs on him as far as that two hundred thirty-five million dollar contract and in, in, in free agency in twenty nineteen. But I will play the hypotheticals game and um, and 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 just kind of speculate on what should happen. Um, if if there is a, if there is any midseason trade that needs to happen with Anthony Davis, or I mean, it would be one I'd like to see. But if the most likely scenario right now for Anthony Davis, if a midseason trade were to happen, would either be Boston or Los Angeles, which is very dramatic. But <laughs> yeah, and this talking, and this is what uh, Michael brought up. But where yeah, who do talking. you think would have the edge? I think Boston has the edge in the in the possibilities. See, he um, thought LA. They have a lot to offer. I think Boston has the edge because Boston has a little bit more to offer as far as depth goes. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they they have a great you know six man rotation uh, as far as their their starting five plus their six man goes and Jason Tatum. Um, 
Los Angeles obviously has a little bit more young depth. They they have Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, Lonzo Ball. They have a lot more. It, it, I think it just depends on what the Pelicans want. Do they want to build around a young guy? Do they want to try and 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 improve their chances or be able to still maintain themselves as a as a Western Conference playoff team without Anthony Davis? I don't think that's possible. But if they look at themselves that way, then that would be the play they would want to make with Anthony Davis. If not, they tried to, they, you know, maybe Los Angeles does have the edge because they want to build around a young guy with some higher draft picks. Um, and, and I mean, you always have the LeBron James factor with Los Angeles. Um, LeBron James could essentially make that trade for Los Angeles. So, um, I, and I guess the thing too, when you're looking at, uh, Boston versus LA, um, if you trade with the Celtics, you are going to get a little bit better draft picks. Um, mm-hmm. but you're also going to get more proven players in my mm-hmm. opinion. Yeah. Uh, um, that's true. That's very true. Um, but with the thing that you look at with the Lakers is you have to look at the way the Lakers are structured. They did the smartest thing they could with LeBron James, as far as building a roster around him. Um, they brought in a bunch of, a bunch of veterans who are, who were on one year contracts where they have to prove that they can play with LeBron James and develop around his, his offense. Um, and they also have a bunch of rookies who, who again, they're they're kind of proving themselves or trying to prove themselves as able to work within a system where LeBron James is the guy. Um, so right now, Los Angeles, Los Angeles has a lot more to play with because they 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 have a lot more to assess on the roster. Whereas Boston is they're in win now mode. So, um, but with the Lakers. Uh, I honestly, I wouldn't be surprised to see either Lonzo Ball or Kyle uh, Kyle Kuzma go. To be honest with you, if yeah. they really want to make that trade for Anthony Davis, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Lonzo Ball or Kyle Kuzma. Um, the smart choice, in my opinion, would be uh, Lonzo. I would say as well, um, if for the Lakers now for the yes, Pelicans, yes. I, don't think, I don't think it would be the smartest thing to try. And yeah, no, it would be best to get Kuzma. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think Lonzo Ball is a guy to build a team around, but um, I mean, it, it, media talks, and it's he's he's got star power um, just because of his father. So I mean, we did um, have the first uh, double triple double game in a long time with Lonzo and LeBron the other day. Sure, but he'll he'll get a triple double, you know, maybe three times tops in a season. The rest, he's not he's not pulling double he's not pulling double doubles. You know, he's 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 not scoring enough to be able to bolster his rebound and assist numbers. He's a guard. He has to score, and he's not—he's not a scoring guard. Mm-hmm. Um, even in, in, you know, and I know he's on an offense with LeBron James, but he, LeBron James can't put up fifty a game. So, as far as a guy who's going to work in tandem with LeBron James, Kyle Kuzma's your guy. He's a great scorer. He shoots great from the long range, and and Lonzo Ball just isn't that guy. He he can rebound and he can he can pass the ball, but you're looking at the best rebounder and passer at the four in the NBA. They don't, that's not, that's not the biggest need for them. Um, So as as far as trying to build with LeBron James, I don't think Lonzo Ball's the guy. So I would say he's more of a possibility to go, but I don't know if the, if the Pelicans bite on that, the Bengals or the the Bengals, the Lakers (laughs) would, uh, in the wrong sport. You're good. The the Lakers would have to, um, the Lakers would have to sweeten up with some draft picks, I think. If, so, they, if they're going to pull the Lonzo Ball trade. Mm-hmm. Um, I, so do you think it's more likely the Pelicans retain AD or trade? 
uh, retain him. I think they're going to retain him because I think they're going to try and sign that super max. Um, and I think, and honestly, like I don't, uh, I don't think Andy Davis wants to leave the Pelicans. He's not that guy. He's not. He's not out to. He's not out to chase a ring with a new team and 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 try to uh, su- supplant himself in a completely new environment just to get a ring. I think he he believes in New Orleans. I think he believes in their in their possibilities if they can make the right offseason moves. So I think there's a mutual there's a there's a mutual love for each other as far as Nancy Davis and New Orleans goes. And um, you know I. I, I don't think Anthony Davis wants to leave. I don't think New Orleans wants to get rid of him. So I think it's more likely that he stays um, unless something dramatic happens in the next couple weeks. So it's very funny because you and Michael had two polar <laughs> opposite. You think so? No. You, well, you didn't hear Michael's take. I didn't. Um, okay. So Michael uh, believes that he will be traded possibly this season. Um. <laughs> to the Lakers and uh then Kawhi and or KD will join them in the offseason next year. Now, I me being the Lakers fan that I am, I would love to see that happen. That would be so great. Um because I would I mean that would mean the Lakers would out rebound the entire NBA every game and that would be just that'd be fun to watch for me, but um I just don't know if the Pelicans you know, I I think the Pelicans want to hang on to Anthony Davis because I don't think they can do any better than Anthony Davis. Um, well, and, I think- and that's why, in my honest opinion, what I think is going to happen, because I have yet to kind of share that, I think yes. that they're going to try to work their butt off to get him to sign, um, and they will go to the very last minute to do that. And I think even if he doesn't, I think they just eat it, they keep him, and then try to maybe again try to swindle him in free agency. I don't see them dumping him. Yeah, I, it, it, that just seems that doesn't seem like something. Number one, that organization would do with Anthony Davis. Um, and also, I, I I don't think I I I really think Anthony Davis wants to stay in New Orleans, and I think he wants to to build something there. Um, I think he's that kind of player where he he believes his legacy lies in in building um a team rather than um rather than just plugging one in you know rather than just oh and now you know i i I was a guy who was the best in one city now i'm going to you know los angeles where there's two other stars i'm gonna win championship i think anthony davis believes in building around himself so Mm -hmm. i don't know i i we could be way off the nba is so fickle you don't know what's gonna happen uh, year after year after year, we thought Paul George would be in Los Angeles by this point with LeBron James. Very true. So, and and Paul George stayed in Oklahoma City. So, um, we'll just have to see. Yeah, it's it's a very we'll see kind of scenario with these guys. All right, so now on to bonus bonus NFL question this time. We get two bonuses. Yes, actually, you get a third one that I didn't tell you about, but we'll come up to that uh, right, in a moment. Cool. So okay, um. So Josh Gordon, uh, everyone I'm sure today saw he announced that he was stepping away from the NFL uh, to, you know, try to help with his mental health. He needed to take a break. Um, Shortly after he did this, it was found out that he had failed another drug test with the league and that he uh, has been suspended indefinitely um, from the NFL. So a lot of people were seeing as him trying to get ahead on this issue. 
Brian, just take me through your thoughts of just the career overall as Josh Gordon, as this is probably going to be it. I don't see him getting a second chance. And sadly, this player who's, you know, in all technicality been in the NFL uh, or been available to the NFL for 10 years was only able to play about five years in the NFL and has spent the the other five, you know, fighting with addiction. Just what are your thoughts on his whole career and what could have been? Well, it's just, it's really unfortunate. Um, uh, clearly, I mean, I think Josh Gordon could have been the best receivers in the NFL of all time. And I believe that. I'm talking about a guy who, who led the NFL in yards of only playing 14 games. You know, we're talking what 1,650 receiving yards in 14 games. You're talking about a guy who was the deep threat. He was, he was Randy Moss 2.0 in New England, I think, um, if he would have had another season under him. I think he really could have been one of the greats. I, I, really, I really believe that. Um, so it's, it's unfortunate that he, um, you know, he lost himself uh, with – the uh you know w- with within the league I, I think it's really unfortunate that um you know his personal troubles have superseded the the immense talent that he brought to the table as far as an NFL receiver um yeah i you really hate to see this um i really really hate to see this i really hate to see talented guys lose their opportunities um especially i don't think we've seen a a, a guy with this much talent um blow his shot ever um as far as what i think he could have done again i think he could have been one of the all-time greats at receiver he could have been up there with you know with your randy moss with your Terrell owens with your jerry rice he had that talent um and it's just yeah it, it really it hurts to see it hurts to see um to see he, especially in a in a time where the league is kind of turning over its talent where we're seeing some of the all-time greats near the end of their career and and Drew Brees and and uh, and Tom Brady and, and and Aaron Rodgers, you know, we're we're starting to see the twilight of these guys. Um, you're looking for new guys to kind of take over as the face of the league, and and especially if if Josh Gordon could have had his redemption story, he could have been one of the faces of the league. And uh, unfortunately, we're not looking at that now, and uh, it's it's heartbreaking to say. Um, but yeah, I'm. It's just sad because he he got several chances, and uh-huh. you know that he has been trying and trying and trying and it's just to no prevail. And uh-huh. um, just like you said, you know, it, it's hard to watch. You think about what if, um, because like I said, a lot of players, they get their one chance, they blow it and they might get a second chance. They blow it again. You, you forget about them. You know, you're like, Oh, well, but he, he was so good. He had the potential just, this one demon just was too strong for his career. Basically it's, it's really, um, it's really heartbreaking. Um, but you know, I, what, you know, what, I don't know what else you can say beyond that. Um, you know, that there have been guys like that in the past who, who, who've had opportunity opportunities to be great and, and, and didn't, didn't make the most of that. Um, but I don't, I, I think as far as, as far as potential caliber of player, I don't think anybody was was near the level of talent Josh Gordon could have been at um, as an NFL receiver. 
man, it's crazy. But yeah, it is. So on to our bonus, bonus, bonus question. Okay. Um, this is a what are your thoughts? Okay, so Mr. McCarty uh, revealed to us his plan for the NBA um, right before we got off of our conversation with him. Um, okay. I'm sure it left our audience a little bit shook, and I want to see if it shakes you <laughs> as much. So he has a um, a an idea as to how to solve this issue as far as these super teams forming in the NBA and how to keep every team competitive. Okay. So what he believes is first off, we need to expand um, the NBA by four teams. Um, and he explicitly stated that one needs to be, be in Louisville. There's no bias I, on that at all. I knew he was going to say that. He's been <laughs> saying that for years. <laughs> um, and then um, what he said is all players should be open to be drafted. There's there's no keeps, okay? Oh wow. And every team gets one ball put into that lovely bouncy thingy. Um <laughs> and you know, it's lit it's literally luck of the draw at all the same odds. Um and then what he said is every ten years you do that. Wow. Wow. Um Well my my counter to that is unfortunately, as far as a possibility with the NBA, I don't know if that's necessarily the way the the league would want to do things, especially when you look at at markets. Um, right now, I'm sure the league is is, is shook right now because their uh, their large market teams are not necessarily nobody's in the league, but they're not dominating. So yeah, when at- uh Milwaukee. Um, the Raptors and Denver are your three best team. That's an, that's yeah. interesting. <laughs> now Toronto is a big market. Toronto is Toronto. Toronto is the most major city in, in Canada. Yes, but, but uh, if you're comparing it to if this were New York, Miami, LA, you know sure. that doesn't compare. Sure. Um. And and you know you know in Canada the NBA isn't as big. Um. But as far yeah, I mean when you're when when your New York and and when you're basically both your New York teams are are not holding up they're you know holding up in the in the east and Los Angeles is still rebuilding in the west and and right now your best team is essentially in Oakland California uh I think as far as, as money goes I, I'm just looking at it from money numbers I think the NBA is going to be very okay with a super team forming in Los Angeles and and the Knicks eventually doing that and and uh you know and I, I, I'm all for the expansion. I really think I'm all for the expansion. Um, but as far, as far as the, the, uh, the, 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 the redrafting of players every year, that would be a fun idea. I would like that. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know how possible that is. Um, especially because again, I, I just look at markets. Um, well, he, and he, right he now, did though, make some very valid points though, because it would make things hard. So, you know, you potentially only get a player for 10 years. Okay. Yes. So if you had the first pick, Brian, who would you take in that draft? Right now, if you had him for 10 years? Well, so you knowing that every 10 years you're going to go through this process again where you lose everybody. Yeah, I, I right now I would pick Anthony Davis. Um 
Okay, see, and I was struggling because he asked me, and I'm like, well, what? Well, LeBron's really the best player, but you're not probably going to get 10 more years out of <laughs> No, you're not going to get 10 more years out of LeBron James right now as far as where he's at uh, talent-wise and, and how long you're going to have him be one of the best in the league. I'd, I'd say Anthony Davis. Um, because, you know, new, you know, it seems like... Even over uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo? I, I, I think Giannis... Uh, I think I, I think Giannis will be a short-lived star. Really? I think, yeah, I think I think I don't think he has a lot of long-term uh, superstar demand. My mind just exploded. That I, I know you're the I don't, first I, person I've ever heard say that. I think Giannis is a flash in the pan guy. I I I, I really think so. Wow. I think I think I think he's he'll he'll be good. I mean, I think he'll be at superstar caliber in the next. What did couple Greece years. ever do to you, man? Nothing. I don't think anything. Ever, I don't think the Greek freak ever did, ever did anything to me. I just, as far as what I look at, I don't think he's. I think he's a guy you can build a team around, but I don't think he's a guy you can build a team around for ten years. Um, I, I he'll be again. He'll, I look at him. I look at Giannis Antetokounmpo as what's the best way to put this? You remember when Tracy McGrady was a star? Yes. Tracy McGrady was a short-lived star. Very short. Very star. much so. He still made. He still found himself on a lot of rosters. He still found himself right there at the upper tier, mm-hmm. but he wasn't a superstar for that long. Him and Yao and Ming both went on the map and fell off the map about the same time. Yeah, hundred percent. And then he he became he became a guy you you know you start, and then he eventually became a, a role player very very quickly. That's where I put Giannis, where he's going to have another couple of years where his unique skill set is going to lend him to a lot of opportunities in the NBA. But after that, um, after that couple of years, I think eventually teams are going to figure themselves out. The league's going to shift, and I don't know how well he's going to be able to keep up. Um, you know, because you, the way I look at talent level as far as superstars go, I look at transcendental talent. I look at guys like Anthony Davis. I look at guys that you know, obviously like LeBron James, like Steph Curry. You're looking at guys who have a skill set that necessarily you can't just game plan around. You can't game plan around the fact that Steph Curry can shoot the ball from seventy feet away from the basket. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't you can't game plan from the fact that Anthony Davis is not only a guy who's going to beat the crap out of you down low, but he's going to be able to shoot the ball from the three point line. Um, Giannis is a guy who has very traditional skills um, as a basketball player, and while that's a great thing and that's that's fantastic, it's not. I don't think it's necessarily the the unique skill set that gets you that ten years of 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 um, consistent superstardom in the nba and that's why you see guys kind of pop up and disappear and pop up and disappear um and i, I mean I, I could go down the list over and over again um in, in recent memory um but I, I would say i would say if i had to build a guy if i if i had that opportunity where i'm drafting you know where i get an opportunity to take one superstar every 10 years i'd say anthony davis would be my first guy because he has the most long-term ability or long-term superstardom in my eyes. Um, but that is, that's an interesting concept. Um, I would love to see the super team kind of, kind of crumble as far as a, a, a concept, but unfortunately I don't think there's an end in sight with that. Definitely uh, not. Not with how, you know, players are now friends rather than enemies. A hundred percent. It's not as it's. It, I don't want to say it's not as competitive of a league, but rivalries in the league aren't quite what they used to be. Um, and right now, uh, I think a hundred percent the NBA is a players' league. It's a league that players kind of dictate where it's going to go. Um, you know what the future is going to look like, and 
I would love to see that change, but right now I, I don't see an end in sight with that. Um, and I hate to see it, but, you know, I, I think it makes the NBA unique in a way. Um, whether that way is good or bad is up to the consumer, but I think it makes the NBA unique from other, you know, other other leagues. Um, Baseball is not like that. The NFL is not like that. Obviously, college isn't like that. Um, like football, what? Baseball, or basketball, where where it's a where it's a players dictate what the teams do. Oh know, yeah, NFL. yeah. I thought you were talking about super teams because I was going to be like no, Alabama no. Patriots. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I'm talking like as far as the NFL goes, the only. You, you very rarely see a player dictate what's going on um, with the team's roster. The only time you've really seen that in recent memory is, is, is like Tom Brady getting rid of Jimmy G. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Tom Brady has, has kind of been what, you know, that guy that you, that makes decisions for your team in the NFL and baseball. I think it's way different. Um, baseball players kind of make the decisions for themselves rather than making the decision for their team. Um, I mean, you look at clearly the biggest example right now in the offseason with baseball is Bryce Harper. Um, we don't know where he's going to go necessarily right now, but it's not it's not like Bryce Harper's like, I'm going to try and join forces with Mike Trout. It just doesn't work like that in the, in the NLB. Um, and, and again, the same can be said for the I think with with the NBA, the biggest thing that you can see with the NBA is that because there's only five positions on the floor, a lot of guys can take different roles uh, at various points. You know, there's a lot more versatility with one player in the NBA, where it's like you're not going to see a quarterback who's super athletic in the NFL go, I'm going to play quarterback this drive, and then this other superstar is going to play quarterback, and I'm going to play wide receiver. Like, you just don't see that. Yeah. Um, the special the, the skill sets are less specialized in the NBA. Everybody's kind of has has to have similar skill sets um and be able to do multiple things on the floor rather than just be one position. You know, if a guy's a point guard, he has to be able to do something else. He has to have a secondary position. Um and I think that's why the NBA has worked that way is you have guys who can, you know, play three, four positions on the floor at any given point in time so they can kind of find other guys who can do that and and work together. So, all right. So yeah. you you're 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 not really for that then. I'm not. I I, I it's a. I like the idea. I just don't. I, uh, the logistics of it. I I'd love to see that laid out in 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 a supreme deep like in a extraordinarily detailed format. I'd love to see. I like the idea. I just don't we're, know how feasible it is in today. We're gonna make it happen. I already promised Michael that we'd uh make that the new norm in the NBA, and that they would reward him with a Louisville team for him to own and run. Let's um, do it. So we'll we'll make that happen. So real quick, sir, we've we talked about everything I wanted to talk to you about today. Is there anything that you want to put out there before I let you go? Uh. I think the NKU Norse are going to win the Horizon League and go to the NBA, uh, the NCAA championship. <laughs> um, a, I would love the that. 64. The field of 64. I give them the field of 64. Hey, I'll take it. They're my Horizon League favorites right now. They're playing uh, very well. Uh, they, they were competitive against UC. They dropped one to EKU that they shouldn't have, but it, I see. I definitely would buy that. They're my Horizon League favorites. Uh, I can't wait until January rolls around and and we start seeing the, the field of college basketball kind of play out. That's what I got my eye on right now. Obviously, I've got my eye on the NBA. Um, and, yeah, playoff time for football. Um, what I'd love to do, uh, you know, once once the season rolls up is kind of give my, my season interview for the Bengals um, and, and, and kind of what I hope to see in the offseason. But, you know, 
we're getting the playoff time in football, which is my favorite time uh, of the entire year is uh, watching a lot of good teams play a lot of other good teams. And uh, yeah, I, I love playoff time in football and uh, yeah, it's Christmas time. So Merry Christmas to everybody out there. <laughs> yes, definitely. So um, I thank you for joining us again, sir. Hopefully we will be able to have you on again next week. We'll, uh, I plan on uh, getting a few episodes together with you and uh, Michael uh, at the same time uh, to where we can actually get, um, I want us to preview the NFL playoffs, the college football bowl games, and then, um, you know, really get reared up for SEC time for Kentucky. So, um, thank you again for joining the show, sir. Uh, this is going to be the end of the local segment. Um, as always, it's brought to you by SeatGeek. Go to SeatGeek.com or download the SeatGeek app and use code DOUBLETECHNICAL for $20 off your first ticket purchase. Um, and make sure you check us out, uh, Double Technical, on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, everywhere. Just search for us. You'll find us. Uh, listen to us on Anchor, SoundCloud. Man, we're on all kinds of stuff, actually, and we're about to be on Spotify. So that's uh, that's a little bit of tidbit uh, news for y'all to hear. So a uh, big thank you again, Brian, sir. You have a fantastic day, and uh, we'll make sure we talk to you next week. Yeah, I'll see y'all. Have a good one. Have a good uh, Christmas. Have a good New Year, and uh, we'll talk to you. All right, sounds good. All right. So this is Lucas Fryman. This is Double Titan Podcast. I'll be right back with my NFL picks after this. All right, welcome back, everyone. I hope that you've enjoyed um, being able to hear from Michael and Brian in the same show. This is really what I hope uh, to do for all the shows on Fridays. You know, Mondays are just us. You know, we bond. This is why we want you to join the conversation. You know, 513-788-1490. You call, text, or you can message us on any of the different social media platforms that we're at. Um, We really want you guys to join the show, especially on Mondays, so I can talk to y'all. And, you know, we have a back and forth. And then Fridays, we really dive in deep with the my expert friends, you know, Michael with uh, Kentucky and basketball and Brian with football and basketball and baseball. Um, so just um, really glad that we have all of them here. So now it's my turn to just have a little one on one with you guys. We're going to talk about my NFL pick uh, picks. Man, have you guys noticed how much I've struggled? I am so tired. I'm sorry. Uh, my NFL picks for. This weekend, I'm currently 10 and 18 since I started doing this two weeks ago. So let's hope that I get my first uh, winning weekend. So we have two Saturday games again. Uh, Starting, we have the Redskins versus the Titans. Um, That is a 10 point spread. Um, Redskins are uh, 10 point underdogs so they're getting 10 and I'm going to take the Redskins uh, for this because why because the Titans the Titans to me just they they don't show up in games they're supposed to and then show up in games that you expect them to be blown out so I am picking um, the Redskins uh, not to win the game outright, uh, outright necessarily but getting 10 points I definitely think that they're going to be able to to be the Titans. So I have Redskins plus 10. 
Then we have the Ravens versus the Chargers. Chargers are currently minus four. I have the Chargers winning this game outright, and then I have them winning by at least a touchdown covering that four-point spread. So give me the Chargers minus four over the Ravens. Then we have the Bengals going up against the Browns. Browns are nine-point favorites. Give me the Bengals in that. Not to win the game. Not not to win the game, okay? But uh, definitely covering nine points i think that they probably lose by a touchdown so we'll 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 still end up so give me the Bengals plus nine then we have the colts going up against the giants colts are nine point favorites i am taking the colts they're going to win by 10 plus points in my opinion over the giants and so that will give me another w then we have the texans versus the eagles eagles are two point favorites uh, the line has moved since I looked at it this morning. They were two and a half point favorites, um, but they are currently two, and that is what I'm going to use. Um, I have the um. Oh man, now that's moved to two. That's hard. You know what? I'm gonna I'm changing my pick. I had the Eagles minus two and a half, but you know what? I'm switching it to the Texans plus two. And yeah, so that is my change. Uh, I have the Texans winning that game outright, and then they're getting two points on top of it. Then we have the Miami Dolphins versus the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, they are favored by four points. I have I will take Miami minus four over the Jaguars all day. This team, man, what has happened to them? They were supposed to be one of the best teams, and now they're sitting at 4 and 10, going to be 4 and 11 and it's just astonishing what has happened to this team and this organization. Shell-shocked, honestly. Then we have the Packers going up against the Jets. Uh Packers are two and a half point favorites. I'm taking the Jets to win this game outright. I know Aaron Rodgers came out and said that he's going to play, but I think by the time the game shows, I'm hoping that they convince him to stay out and then the Jets are going to win this game outright and getting two and a half points on top. Then we have the Cowboys versus the Buccaneers. This is a pick 'em game. I have the Cowboys. I don't think they're going to drop another game. Um, and uh, the Buccaneers are just—they're just off just ever since starting off um, hot with Fitz Magic. They've just been—they've been downhill ever since. So give me the Cowboys in that one. Uh, then we have the Vikings versus the Lions. Uh, Vikings are five and a half point favorites. I'm going to take them. I think that they beat the Lions by a touchdown. Uh, then we have the Patriots going up against the Buffalo Bills. They are 13-point favorites. Uh, the Patriots, I have them winning by two touchdowns or more, covering that 13-point spread. Uh, the Falcons are going up against the Panthers. Um, Falcons are three-point favorites. Um, and I'm going to take them minus three. I think that they take care of business. Cam Newton is not playing in this game. So I think that, um, Matt Ryan, Julio Jones will be able to take care of business. Then we have the bears going up against the 49ers. The bears are minus four in this game. And I have the bears winning at that, um, by a touchdown. Uh, the 49ers, even though they had that crazy win against the Seahawks last week, I do not see that reciprocating against this top of the league defense. Then we have the Rams versus the Cardinals. This one is not giving me a spread because I know this is not a pick em. Um, But since it's not giving me a spread, I am just taking the Rams and I am going to take that easy W. 
Then we have the Steelers going up against the Saints. Saints are minus six in this matchup. I have the Steelers winning this game outright and getting six points on tops. I think the Steelers, even though it pains me, the Bengals fan inside me, after they beat the Patriots, I think they've set themselves up to go on a little bit of run going into the playoffs, and the Saints just are not playing top level. Even though they're getting wins, they're not doing it very beautifully, and I think that's going to come back to bite them. Uh, then we have the Chiefs going up the Seahawks. Chiefs are two-and-a-half-point favorites. I'm taking that all day. The Chiefs are going to win by a touchdown, if not 10 points. I do not know why that game is so close, especially after Seattle dropping to the 49ers. But people, you know, Russell Wilson is a magic man. He's able to pull off a lot of uh, crazy acrobatics. And, you know, I know he's great, but the Chiefs are going to cover that. And then last but not least, the Monday night game, uh, Broncos versus the Raiders. Raiders are three-point favorites, um, and I think that they win well by more than three. I mean, the Bengals beat them pretty soundly, and uh, the Broncos beat the Bengals. So I think that they are able to cover that. So, uh, yeah, that is all my NFL picks. Uh, Wish me luck. I have no idea how this is going to go because I've just – I've I've just been missing on everything. It's been so sad. But you know what? It happens. So um hopefully I will get my first ever winning weekend. Sorry, you hear the paper, I'm writing down all my stuff. Um uh and I think that's honestly gonna do it for today's show. I was gonna talk a little bit about the NBA, but um with how far this episode's gone um, we've covered a few things with Michael and with Brian in terms of the NBA. I think I'm going to leave it at that. So I hope everyone has a fantastic weekend. Um, enjoy it. Spend it with family. I will be back on Monday, Christmas Eve to talk to y'all about everything that happens this weekend. And I'll make sure to wish, uh, wish everyone a happy holidays and a Merry Christmas on Monday. So this is Lucas Fryman. This is Double Technical Podcast. As always, please check us out on all the different social media platforms. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and uh, Instagram. Just search Double Technical and you will find us. And then um, listen to us on anywhere. You, you're listening to us now. So, But we're also on SoundCloud, Anchor, Apple Podcast, And hopefully, uh, we should be on Spotify as well now. So please support us. Um, Anchor, you can donate to us. Uh, you can support us through SeatGeek. Um, you know, use code double technical. You save $20 off your first ticket purchase. And just by listening, you support us. We now have sponsors playing at the beginning of the shows. Um, you know, just by listening, just by clicking on this, you have supported us in some way and we appreciate it. So everyone have a great Friday, a fantastic weekend, and I'll be back to talk to y'all on Monday.